0: Hey everybody, it's Ian King, founder of King Sports International and author of a number of books on training, innovative training methods used throughout the world. John, so we're in a KSA huddle. This is an option if you ask any questions that have come from the session tonight or any questions at all. And we'll run uh, for about 15 minutes or less, depending upon the, the, the flow of questions. As soon as they cease, we'll stop.
1: Who's first? I had a random question you mentioned something about you know for teaching people to random questions are good that's what we're here to do push to through the heels questions. but you know push them through your toes so I mean that is one of the things you want to look at with a sport like you know yeah, so the, the
0: challenge with people training um, athletes is that they don't understand what transfers and what doesn't right because if they're influenced by the average crap that's written and published by people who have no idea anyway uh, there's no hope so how do they learn what transfer? I mean who's really teaching them what transfer?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even then the information I mean I just I think about like in cycling, like one of the things they tell you to do is push through the ball of the foot, like they're trying to mimic like the walking or running when the foot action, from my understanding, is different because you're not actually moving your center of gravity, the bike's moving your center of gravity, so all you're doing is pushing the pedal away. So it's more like squatting or deadlifting where you want to keep more what? of a flat stance, more of a mid.
0: Yeah, good, good, and that's good thinking. I'm like to think it. I got a question for you. Here's, here's, here's a question for you. What's more relevant to cycling, squatting, or deadlifting?
1: Um, to be totally honest with you, it depends. Deadlifting is extremely important for uh, your attack position, yes. your seated yeah, pedaling, and yeah. your squat pattern is what is behind your standing pedaling position. Most riders who can't, who find standing pedaling hard, have a very bad squat pattern. They can't get. Their, their spine and everything lined up. So they actually, you use both.
0: Okay, so just to clarify, I'm interested in this, just to clarify, the squat contribution is for the, it's the position of the body on the bike? Is that right? Or is it for the strength on the bike?
1: It's the, the position, the oh, position of no, no, the, the body on the bike. This
0: is good. So when you're squatting, is that are they going to squat the same position that they're loading on, on the bike? I mean, the, the body position on the load of the squat, is that the same as the body position in the stand, in the stand on
1: the bike? Well, this is interesting, because I I... Don't I have people use split stance and stagger stance squats? Like I don't, I don't have. But to we're not cluster. talking about
0: the bottom half. we you're talking about hip to shoulder shape, aren't mm-hmm.
1: you?
0: So I'm not interested at in the moment in the bottom half. I'm talking to about the top half shape.
1: Right. Yeah. Because
0: that's a, that's that's the box you opened.
1: Yeah. No, it will be more similar because when you stand up the pedal, you want your hips to shift. Forward and getting one underneath your Fantastic.
0: shoulders. Fantastic, but I'm asking you, is the shape of their spine under the load of the squat the same as the shape of the spine on the stand in the standing position on the bike? Are they one and the same?
1: Well, if you're doing it right, it should
0: be. Really? Have a look.
1: Let me let me give
0: in a little bit of a little bit of insight into this. Open above any lack of feedback on technique or lack of awareness on the coaches on how to change, or what to even pursue, over and above all those things, where's the loading in a squat, and where's the loading on the bike?
1: Well, I mean, the loading on the squat's gonna be on the upper body. On the shoulders. On the shoulders, right. Yeah. yeah,
0: causing a downward compression, and a resistance against the compression. What's the loading pattern on a bike?
1: we well, are using the wedge between your hands and your feet more like a deadlift. Interesting. So you're you're using more of that deadlifting wedge to create the force. So two challenges here.
0: I question the transfer of, of the of the strength, but I also the question the transfer. I like your theory, but I question it in application, not by theory but by application. Because I've seen a few people squat over the years,
1: and it's really ugly stuff. Right. Really right. ugly stuff. Right. Well, I guess that that. Uh, so if you're trying to. Because I, I totally agree with like the, the joint angle thing that you that you mentioned is really like, that's something that I've, you know, I've... you are know, within your ball, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it clicked. It's like, yeah, that, that's exactly what, you know, like when I teach people to deadlift, it's like, you no, know, I want you to try to get into the same, you know, body position or joint angles as what you're going to be, or as similar as you can or as close as you can to what you're going to be doing on the bike. Obviously, you're not going to be able to recreate it okay. perfectly, but I, you know, that, that aspect of trying to teach people that I I mean, it's funny, man, listen, and obviously it should be because you've been such a huge influence on me forever, but it's like, this is what I tell people, like, if you can't do it off the bike, you can't do it on the bike, so we got to get you off the bike, is it a flexibility issue, we need to get you more flexible, do you need to learn how to move and be able to maintain tension within those, you know, joint angles and movements, now how do we apply that to the bike, like consciously apply it to the bike, so, you know, trying to deconstruct a rider and, and... rebuild them back up, you know, to fill in their gaps and their weak links.
0: So, so the point I'm
1: making, and it's a point that applies not just to your case, but a point that applies to all
0: sports, is that the shape of the body under a squat is rarely the shape of the body that is either sought after or optimal for technical application in sport. Very, very rarely. And there is no awareness and no focus on that in any sport. So what they're doing under the bar is... Tragic, as far as its improvement of athleticism, it actually is reverse. It's
2: deathleticizing them. It's a house of cards, it, in my opinion. I I, when I, I, got, I lost a lot of my football weight by going into triathlon. I got into really really into triathlon. I couldn't physically barbell squat with all the volume I was putting in on a road bike. My psoas, my hip flexors were just, they, and I could not find the answer to it. And, uh, after one session of a relatively progressive back-loaded squat day, it mimicked the exact thing I felt after like the 30th mile on the bike in the saddle. And I went, oh my God, it's my squats. I can't I can't squat anymore. With the, with the compressed spine. But the way I was trying, the way it was... I did, I, can, I, I, can I give
0: you some insights on that? Sure, sure. When you load the hip quads and hip flexes in, in a shortened state, it accelerates the shortening of them. They're going to ache a lot earlier. Sure. And guess what? If you're already in that state and then, then you go and load, the, the quad dominance of the squat is such that it, it is just a straw that breaks the colonel's back. And that's that's a an implication of someone who's on the edge in their length and tension issues as it relates. And that's a big issue in cycling because of the, the forward trunk angle and the permanent shortening of the hip flexor. That's a whole big discussion in itself.
1: Great question. Any others? I guess when we're talking squat, I mean, I guess like you know, I say squat, and I just think of, I think of squat as more of a movement than than an exercise. And you know, how are we going to? What's the correct exercise to train that movement? So I guess I'm able to. Like I don't back squat. I don't have any of my athletes back squat. You know, I, what do they do? Um, I have them. Uh, a goblet squat is probably one of my more, you know, if I'm trying to teach oh, I don't squatting. know what that is, what is that? it's just the one where you're is that right, something that you drink back in the middle of you. so instead of doing like a front squat you're just holding like a so why do you do that? Um, I do it because it reinforces the posture that I want to see I want to see that more upright shoulders down, strong posture I don't want to see as much Okay. I've got a question forward. for you Where's the loading? this is for cyclists, yes? Or for other athletes? Again, it's not, I don't look at it as sport specific as much as athlete specific.
0: Okay, so you're using it for the variety of athletes?
1: Well, I, I use I use it depending upon, I look at what the weakness of the athlete is, and if they have, a, if their squat pattern is not, if they can't squat properly, along with the mobility in the, in the weight room, I'm trying to reinforce some. All right,
0: just for the record, mobility is not a term I use, but Sorry, so you, don't, you don't have to use my language, I just want to clarify, and if anyone listening to this, I, and I'm just repeating this for the purposes of sure. of the of the tape. Um, you know, we talked about that before. That it's just a yes, I agree. A term yeah. that's been introduced to, you know, for other reasons. Um, so basically, you're using this uh, low distribution to the front to to develop a, a posture or a shape of the body throughout. Yes, the squat to prevent transfer.
1: Yeah, it, it, I, I see better looking movement. I see I see things that look more like what I want to see. Fantastic. So really I've got a more question more for you. What are the implications of shifting the load to the front of the body? Um, well, if it gets too far out, it starts putting, I mean, you definitely start putting more stress okay. on it. What, okay.
0: What is, the, what is the, the, the muscle load implications of shifting from the bar from the back to the bar to the front? It's just the center of
1: mass. the center of gravity.
0: What's the implication on, on, on the muscle involvement? And I'm not a biomechanist by any means, but
2: I'm just a simple man, simple coach, who's got some theories. It so moves the tension, instead of the tension being back, back, it moved the tension on the muscle. So let's go
0: back to my lines of movement theory, which obviously I, I shared for the first time in 1998, which has been published many times in the absence of any credit or referencing, including by those who I've taught in person. Um, the concept of quad and hip dominance. There's a continuum there and everything operates on the continuum, what is the implication from the quad and hip dominance balance of shifting from a back squat to a front squat? More quad. More quad dominant? Yes, sir. Fantastic. So do you think that's a good thing? Uh, forgetting about all the other motives, I'm just questioning, what are, the, what are the implications of making the movement even more quad dominant than it already is? And you don't have to answer if you want to go away and reflect. And there's no right or wrong, and I'm not convincing you about anything but I'm certainly raising the question
1: yeah well I mean you just definitely need. well I mean you have to compensate for that you have to have more if you're going to be placing more stress on the quads then you're going to have to have more things to take fantastic, stress fantastic. The and, and
0: generally speaking where, where do most programs in my opinion at least where do they, they sit on, in the balance of quad and hip are With, most, most
1: programs
0: 50-50 <coughs> They're probably quad-dominant. They have always been and it yes, continues sure. to be so. So you've then taken a quad-dominant exercise and a quad-dominant program and shifted it more, more quad-dominant. Now, I understand that you want to go away and think about that because I don't want to be seen to be tacky on that. But oh, that, well, that, that, is, that is my first point. My second point is this. You've done that, for the most part, if I've interpreted correctly, to achieve a certain shape in the body. My question is, could you have achieved that shape with a back squat? I mean, I... You can, yeah. It would require what? More... Uh, more time com- and coaching. More competent and time in coaching. Exactly. So I- I'm raising this second point for this reason. You are reflective of a trend that's been sweeping America for the last 10 or 15 years where people have been saying, well, this is too hard to teach. Let's cop out. Let's just take a shortcut solution. Put the load to the front. And I don't agree with it. It's an instant gratification. It's not... I'm not telling you back or front's better. I'm just telling you that as a motive is inadequate and then people come up with other rationalisations. But the biomechanical reality for me is that you've increased the quad dominance in the movement and this is what I'm talking about where you're creating further imbalances which decreases the athleticism in the athlete and increases your injury rate. But it's the trend. And you're, all you're doing... And if I hadn't heard this same story from, from thousands of others, then I, I wouldn't know any better. But when I hear the same... when everyone's singing from the same song sheet... I know that everybody, you know, they're 95 percenters. They're behaving like the 95 percent. So I'm not telling you not to do it, but I'm raising two points. Do you understand the implications of shifting the vote from the back to the front? And do you understand that you could probably have got it if you had improved your coaching competence or time to get through the back? Because that's a trend that's been um, prevalent. And it's, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, and you know, I don't care whether you're a Christian or Muslim, I don't mind if we'd have a different opinion, but I'm very, very clear about it. Because, in my opinion, this trend is really damaging athletes, really damaging people.
1: So what would you, again, I I apologize for maybe not qualifying this, but I do, I I work with people both in person. I have a very large online presence. Like, I, like, you know, I am.
0: You're a a virtual coach.
1: Well, I'm both. I work with. You're not saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. So I guess like when I'm thinking about stuff and I'm like, okay, I'm going to write an article on trying to help the average mountain biker, yep. you know, get better, blah, blah, blah. Yep. I think about the fact that, you know, they don't have a coach. They don't have, they, they probably are battling some dysfunctions, things like that. So that's one of the reasons that like, exactly. in my program. But
0: I understand that. They're battling dysfunctions. Guess what you've just done? You've you reinforced some of the from the front. You've just made the dysfunction worse. Now, if you go back and look at the history of this goblet shit, like when was the word first introduced and why? And it was part of a movement or a trend in, in in American strength training to cop out of teaching technique and to use something that was easier to teach. Now, I understand it. It's justifiable. But understand the implications of it and understand that it's a trend that people have been simply adopting without thinking. It's not about right or wrong. If you want to use it, knock yourself out. If you you think it's great for athletes, go ahead and do it. But I'm just being really honest with people that they're just sucked up in a trend that in my opinion is not not a good trend. But I know what you're saying. When you're writing a program for someone who you aren't supervising, you need to come up with exercise options that don't increase the risk of what they're doing. But you have...
2: Right. so we'll, when you get into a hierarchy because I've written programs for, for, for teams and such that similar things and in a lot of your writing is, you've so much of it going this is a generalized program yeah. writing to the masses in itself so it's, 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 it, by definition it's not a specific exactly and it hurts me to do whatever. it I haven't
0: done that many right. no, and, totally. and I had to talk me into doing the first one <laughs> You know, the first one was was a get past the Get Back to Living program, and they really had to talk me into it.
2: So, so what? What you? I I, I love the fact that I've adopted the, the, as as best, best as I can your hierarchy and in, in, in a lot of your design, you know, just your thought processes. So, when it comes to writing a generalized program, either to a macro culture like an entire like mountain biking culture, because I think I've actually read some of your stuff, or to or or to a, to maybe even a smaller group of three or four elite. Howie, team writers. Yeah, you know, what's in your, what's your hierarchy? Is it is it a, is it injury avoidance? Because or so is you it, you're, is you're it?
0: asking me about generic programs? Yeah, in terms of
2: your your ethical hierarchy, what do I need to cover? I absolutely need to cover this general program yep. to these people. Yep. Well, the first thing you do is, is cry and say to <laughs> <few> how <Hail>
0: Marys, <laughs> you're going to write a generic program because I tell you what, it'll be misinterpreted. Yeah, it'll be misapplied and misinterpreted. So you need to go to mass you need to go and say, you know, you know whatever, you do it um, you know, in, the, in the professional box, because that's how I feel about generic programs. It's, it's, it's a tragedy. Having said that, I don't have a problem with you doing that. So you, what I do, this is how I write them, and books have been published on this since. My name hasn't appeared in the book, but they've just taken my conscience and reused them. So when I wrote the Get Buff program, for example, originally, um, I sat down and thought, what are the most common dysfunctions in a person? How am I going to address them? That was it. So to get the end result, but the primary focus was what are the most common imbalances in body and how to reverse it. So let's look at some of the things I did. What did I do with the bench press? Horizontal pressing. I took it to the back of the program. What did I do with quad I took it to the back of the program. Are you with me? I went from unilateral to bilateral. All these control things now.
2: Control drills. And exactly.
0: All of them, yeah. So all these things now, are people have republished under their own steam and all that sort of stuff and it's all been lost and they don't even understand what they're doing because they don't even train, but they don't train anyone. But... Um, what you do is you take an injury prevention perspective. You say, listen, what's the worst shape that a person could be in? And if I didn't change anyone's performance, but I saved a lot of bodies from from the physical wreck they're in, then I've done a great service. And what you're doing by shifting the load to the front is not
1: that. You're actually making the problem worse.
3: I... I guess, like, in
1: the, in the concept of holism, I don't know that it's quite... Because within the program, I'm, you know, huge elements of flexibility. Um, you know, way more hip-dominant stuff than quad-dominant stuff. The quad-dominant stuff is, you know, at the end, you know, this is after a couple months of doing some other... Your program? Was that... a program here? I, I can get it. I don't have... I didn't bring it with me, but I can... Uh, I'd love to look at it okay yeah I'd, I'd love for you to take a look at it but i guess like just in the i understand what you're saying is that if i if in the absence of anything else doing that would definitely be a negative but in the context of the all of the changes that i'm introducing for a rider you know the fact that you know i'm using the goblet squat which does have this potential negative but taking over taking it with all the other positives going on and the fact that i'm Trying to deal with people that I, I can't work with personally, so I don't I don't want them going in the gym and just back squatting like the dude that they saw, you know, last week doing it. He does it horribly, you know. Uh, so I, I guess I just kind of wanted to, you know, uh, clarify that a little bit, um, and that the, you know, this isn't just, hey, I just met you, you're a mountain biker, guess what, you need to start doing goblet squats. Like I don't, that's not exactly the. the uh, Approach, But just if we're talking about like, you know, squatting and and stuff like that, you know, I, I guess that was just kind of my my thoughts on that subject in isolation. But, um, you know, I, I, I completely, I mean, like I said, man, I mean, if you're, I look at my programs and it's hilarious. Like, they have not changed a whole lot since I read Get Buffed and, you know, all of your concepts and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's the whole, you know, the whole totality of, of what you're talking about is present in the program. I just... You know, that was kind of my thoughts on that particular pattern. Great. So I'm assuming there wasn't a question
0: and, and you are right? Yes, sir. Excellent. Sorry. No, no, I need to apologize. Um, you, know, you, can, you can do whatever you want. You don't have to justify like it to me. See, the, 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 I'm not concerned by you having an opinion. My job is to be honest, be straight, mm-hmm. and walk away. And majority of people don't listen to what I do. Not a problem.
1: All right, right. I just want to make sure I understand because I wouldn't be here if I didn't value you, it. You, you know how many times you said the word Understand.
0: Three times, probably, in the last five minutes. Not a criticism, but where's your thinking? Um, Are you I'm thinking rationally with the mind, or do you thinking kinesthetically with the body? Not sure I the it's okay because. When I think about training, when I'm, when I'm deliberating my mind about training, I go in my mind to the movement and feel for the movement. Yeah, yeah. That's how I answer the questions. Yeah. I don't understand it.
1: I feel it. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand. But that's what
0: the majority of people would do. They'd rationalise it because that's how we're taught in our educational system. I'm just clarifying with you yeah. that
1: that's not what I do. I'm not that intelligent, but I've got good feeling. Right, right. Yeah. And I guess on some levels, that's kind of what I'm applying, Like 14 years of riding a bike, and you know, 20 yeah. plus years of lifting in the gym. And, you may you know, well be,
0: but in your driving training, I've got questions in terms of what your word selection. That's all. Yeah. And and I think those who have been with me in the course of last you know, day or two I understand where I'm going with that, identifying you know word selection as being a, a, an indicator of thought process.
3: Yeah. Fantastic. With with what he's saying, how do you figure out? What I guess because like you guys are doing it on the general, we're all doing on the general side, is figuring out your weaknesses and imbalances. So how do you, you get the assessment for your sport? Yeah. Then you can work on okay. This is what yes. you got to fix your weaknesses yes. first, and yes. then you can start working on your Um,
0: I. I. I seek to educate the athletes as much as I can, but it, 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 took, like, it would take an athlete in our, in our regular presence probably, what, three years to get the level of education before they can make those informed decisions for themselves. Athletes that are in high contact with us about three years and then their education is so high that they're, they're more astute in their decision-making than any other physical preparation coaches on the planet. But I wouldn't expect you to get that from a few seminars or reading a few books. You could get that level of service in about three hours from one of my coaches... For you to be, have the level of ed- education to do that, I, I, I'd, I'd hope that you would understand it would take a little bit longer. Yeah, but if they keep
3: thinking that like what we're talking about is there's exercises, but you've got to see what the weaknesses of the person. Exactly. You exactly. And
0: right it's about, you know it's exercise. a journey. It's a big journey. It's not it's not something that you're going to learn overnight. My goal is to help people understand the implications and just think about it before they just jump in and do it. And all my writings have been educational, directed. So the get buff range, for example, for the end users is just education, education, education to help people make better decisions than their, than their personal trainer would or their physical coach would. And, and if, So that's that's our intent, but realistically it takes some time yeah, to, to, to
3: learn how, how to understand imbalances. Because I think for, for our sport, which is Jiu-Jitsu and MMA, and the Jiu-Jitsu side of it, let's say it's a 10-minute all out, you know, you're going 100% or as much as you can is doing that 10 minutes, so it's how do you figure out the different energy systems I mean, there's an aerobic side of it, of course, that's working, actually all systems are working, but it seems like when we're doing the 10 minutes we, we're losing some of the alactic, Feels like I can feel my lactic acid energy system working hard and the aerobic, but I can feel just a little, the quickness Start going down. So yes. Is that recovery, or is that because I'm practicing longer that I'm not being able to do as much athletic explosions?
0: So the challenge that you face is the challenge faced by all combat sports. They're, they're done in rounds. We had three, three twos, three threes, um, ten threes, tall threes, uh, three fives. It's the same uh, challenge we I mean, face. All. Um, I can tell you this: that nearly all of them solve the problem the same way, which is the, the training load exceeds the competitive load. Um, and the other comment I'll make is that you can individualise it because some people have got so much power that you can help them hang on to that power and some people have got none and you need to help them develop it. So there are different paths for different people. But I don't know too many people with the astuteness to identify those things. Um, you know, it's pretty easy to do with our coaches, but it's not something that the average person, when I say average person in the industry, there aren't too many people who will shoot to guide you on that. See... The way I'd, I'd, I'd look at it is if, if you're not improving that component after a year or two, then you need to change direction. Because I expect continual improvement. There's always a way to improve. That's my attitude with athlete. There's always a way to improve. It might come from indirect variables, but no matter where it comes from, you want to see a continual improvement in
3: performance. You know. have to wait that long and it'd be like, No no yeah, no, not at all. Not all.
0: But it wouldn't be the first like if you were a beginner, it wouldn't be in the first three months. If you're really experienced then you can judge it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So we may have nearly exhausted um uh, questions for now. Yeah,
1: definitely. The for the, for coaches in the program that have been here for a little while, if you listen to the question the first questions I understand, I understand, I understand from rational mind, listen to the question here. I feel this, I feel that, I feel this, I feel that. Did you get, Did you pick that up? There's a really big lesson in that. One's rationalising, one's feeling. So I hope that the coaches in the program understand that from what we've talked about the last couple of days because there's a huge lesson in communication there for everyone to get.
3: Excellent.
0: Well, I appreciate everyone's contribution and we've just concluded another great title.